for first service, I turned my mic on as I was walking up to the stage, and then everyone got to hear my side conversations with people, but now I'm one service smarter. I got here. Welcome everyone, welcome to Sunday morning. I am Becca and I am one of the pastors here at River Heights Vineyard. Oh. So I started as youth pastor in 2017 and then we added being children's pastor in 2020 and it has been a wild and a very fun ride. There are a couple pictures up on the screen and this first one over here is Vacation Bible School from this summer. There were 34 inflatable beach balls throughout the week. It was amazing. And then this is just this Wednesday at youth group where we had a color war and threw powdered paint at each other because because Jesus, um, and it was wonderful, and we have a lot of fun together. There's another picture of some of my favorite people in the world. Chris Bunger is among them. Uh, I met Chris here at River Heights in 2009. We got married in 2011, and now we have Margaret, who's six, and Elizabeth is four, and as you can see, I used to have normal people hair. When, <laughs> yeah, purple, yeah, that's true. Um, when people told me, uh, when Pete told me that he wanted me to preach in August, it was so long ago. I was like, that is an August Becca thing to worry about. And then Vacation Bible School ended on the 12th, and I was like, oh, great, now it's time to write a sermon. And so I asked Pete, what do you want me to talk about? And he's like, kids. I'm like, oh, well, that's predictable, but okay. So I was praying and asking God what he wanted everyone to hear through me. I mean, we've got David and Goliath, we've got Eli and Samuel, we've got Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Act 1, Scenes 1 through 5. We got a lot of material that we can work with here. And as Chris and I were reading from the storybook Bible to my girls at bedtime, we read about the boy with the loaves and the fishes and Jesus with the miracle of 5,000 people. And I started to cry. I'm not normally a crier, so I realized that there's probably something here that the Holy Spirit wanted to say through this story, through me, since it's going to be my week and I get to share it with you. We're going to take a look today at John 6, 1 through 13. But before we do that, I always tell my youth that to read the Bible responsibly, we don't just start with what we're going to read. We back up a bit and see what was going on first. So we could read a larger section of the Bible. We could start at the beginning of a specific book of the Bible, or you can cheat and flip a couple pages back and look at what the chapter headings say. And that's what we're going to do today. So if you look backwards from John 6, you see Jesus heals a man who can't walk, Jesus and the Samaritan woman, Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus heals an official son, and the wedding at Cana. Looking at the amount of chapters in the book of John, we're in chapter 6 today, but there are 21 total chapters, so the disciples have been with Jesus for a little bit, and they've seen a lot of cool Jesus, Holy Spirit, ministry, cool things. But it's also a little bit before they get to the cross. 
And all of that research takes about a minute to do before we start reading, which we'll do now, verses 1 through 5. After that, Jesus crossed over the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw miraculous signs as he healed the sick. When Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus stood, or Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. As a youth pastor, I love moments like this. I see what Jesus is doing here. One, he's following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the route he's taking makes absolutely no sense. We got a cool map up here, and it's tiny. So for everyone with normal people vision, I'm going to explain it to you with the little lakes you see. We've got a teeny tiny lake all the way at the top by Galilee, and we've got a medium-sized lake right there at the top as well. At the tip top of that uh, medium lake, we've got Capernaum. And about halfway through that lake, which is the Sea of Galilee, we've got Cana. That's where the wedding was. If you follow the Jordan River all the way down to that nice big body of water, that's the Salt Sea. Near the top of that is Jerusalem, one of those little dots. So Jesus starts all the way up the middle of that Sea of Galilee at Cana for a wedding. And he travels all the way down to Jerusalem to meet Nicodemus, who surprisingly is ready to hear the gospel. And then he travels about 40 miles north to the middle across that little middle river you see there. That's Sakar in Samaria, where a Samaritan woman is surprisingly also ready to hear about the kingdom of God. Whoa! And then he takes the trip from Jerusalem to Capernaum all the way at the very top to heal a child. The trip from Jerusalem to Capernaum is a little under 80 miles, and that's with Google Maps and highways. So Jesus is not following a straightforward route. Jesus is going where he thinks the Holy Spirit is guiding him, but he's not doing it for his own benefit. He's training his disciples. When I took my youth on a prayer walk in July, it wasn't so I could practice seeing places and people in our community to pray for. It was to train them to see places, things, and people in our community to pray for. I got a cool picture here of a kid named Ethan. He's going to go into sixth grade when school starts. He saw a sign leaning, and it stood out to him. Now, I could have taken that prompting and rolled with it because I'm 38 and confident enough to have bright pink hair, but it's not my job to be cool and awesome in front of the youth. It's my job to train them to listen and hear the Holy Spirit's voice. So I asked Ethan what he thought God was telling him about the sign, and he thought... And then he answered, I feel like people get pushed over by life being hard. 
like the sign is getting pushed over by the wind and cars. Awesome, dude. How do you think you can pray for that? And then he prayed. This kid was 11 when I wrote this. Now he's 12. Jesus is training his disciples in this moment. He saw what the Holy Spirit wanted to do, and he asked his disciples to look for it. He wants his disciples to be trained to recognize the Holy Spirit, and he wants his disciples to follow the Holy Spirit's direction to bring God's kingdom to this earth more and more. Spoiler alert for the end of the sermon, he wants us to do that too. Back to the Bible. In verse 7, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a boy with, uh, here with a fish, five loaves of barley and two fish, but what good is that in such a huge crowd? Do you ever stop to wonder how things happened? Like we're reading a script instead of seeing the action. Like, we have to imagine the movement, the voices, the tones, the inflections. We have to envision the panicked look on all the disciples' faces when Jesus asks them to feed the huge crowd, and then the camera pans over the crowd, and we hear their noises. We have to envision all of that. Were the disciples asking for ideas? Were they talking to people in the crowd, getting directions to local inns and pooling resources from the crowd? Andrew was the first to notice the kid. Was the kid maybe someone's younger brother? Was it a joke like, hey, Junior's got some fish and some bread for you, Jesus? Or was it that thing that kids do when they overhear adults talking and they interrupt again and again until they feel heard? Like, hey, you can have my fish. No one no one recognizes the kid. Hey, you can have my fish. Hey, you can have my fish until Andrew finally turns to the kid and says, hey, Jesus, this kid has some loaves and some fishes for you. Jesus doesn't acknowledge the child and move on. Jesus is able to move on because the Holy Spirit has acknowledged the child, the child's offering, the child's yes. And I can imagine the smile on Jesus' face when he accepts the fish from that kid and tells everyone and that kid, sit down, this one's going to be good. In verses 10 through 13, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000, so there were a lot more than that. And Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God. And then he distributed the fish to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the bread. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. 
This all happened because of the Holy Spirit, yes, but also because a child said yes to the Holy Spirit. So what is it that's so special about a child's faith? So special that later Jesus would say, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Well, in this specific story, the adults are focusing on the problem, or more specifically, their own practical abilities to solve the problem. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't be able to have enough money. But what good is that in such a large crowd? I make so little, my bi-weekly offering wouldn't really help very much. I'm awful at cooking, scheduling, and organizing food drop-offs. I'm no good at that. You don't want to eat what I cook. I know I'm good with kids, but I work with kids in my day job. I never tried to do anything like that before. I'm not qualified. And before anyone thinks I'm pointing right at you, I want to let you know that these are all things that I have personally said here at River Heights Vineyard Church myself. In 2010, I said, I make so little, my biweekly offering wouldn't help so much. In fact, my then boyfriend, Chris Bunger, helped me with my taxes. He finished and he's like, okay, so what else? And I'm like, that's it. And he's like, what do you eat? I'm awful at cooking, you, really. You don't want to eat my food. I am not good at scheduling and organizing drop-offs. And my kids in 28, or my, my kids, my friends started having kids around 2018 and they were hungry and starving and exhausted and they hadn't slept for like three hours. And I'm like, but you don't want to eat my poison, but you can't eat banana bread. So I got pretty good at making banana bread for my friends. And I know I'm good with kids, but I work with kids during the week. I said that from 2009 to 2011 to Sue Marsden. I'm so sorry. And eventually in 2011, I said yes to Vacation Bible School. And then I fell in love with those kids. I said yes to the Holy Spirit. I've never tried to do anything like that before. I don't think I'm qualified. In 2014, all the youth leaders and helpers were sitting in Applebee's and we were going over the schedule. Justin Law was the youth pastor at that time and he's like, I'm gonna be gone for these three weeks and I need someone to do the talk and do the sermon at that night. It's 10 minutes long, you're gonna be great. And no one raised their hands. And in, like, in the quiet of my heart, I'm like, I think I might enjoy this. But I've never done anything like this before and if, if I fail, it's gonna be awful. I'm not qualified. I didn't raise my hand. I didn't do it. Like the disciples, sometimes we adults focus on the problem and our own ability to solve it. So often in focusing on the us part, we listen to our own doubts and fears and insecurities. The child didn't need to solve the whole problem. The child brought what they had to Jesus, and with their yes, they got to be part of a miracle. So are there any problems, issues, or challenges in your life or in the world around you that seem too big? 
Do they ever make you think, even if I worked for months, I couldn't pay for that? What good could I do? This is too big, too much, and too hard. Some problems are too much for us because we aren't supposed to be the answer. I mean, we get to be part of the answer as the hands and feet of God in this world, but the solution, the miracle itself is God's work. And we get to be part of it when we say yes. Our two little fish, our five small loaves, and our belief that God is not small. What fish is God asking for in your lives? And what doubts, fears, and insecurities is God asking you to give to him so you can stop saying yes to those and start saying yes to him? Because we are that child. We were that child, and we can be that child again. God reminds us to give him the fish and watch what he can do with our lives. We talk a lot in the vineyard about doing the stuff. It's a John Wimber thing reminding us and that we can do the same things that Jesus did. The healing the sick, raising the dead, restoring the sight of the blind. If you want to do the stuff, it starts by saying yes to Jesus in your own personal life. And then just like the kid, believe that God can do more with your fish than we ever could on our own. God can do more with our lives than we can on our own. God can take our natural skills, gifts, talents, and abilities further than we ourselves can. And when our natural power stops, the Holy Spirit comes in to finish in the territory of miracles. That's how two fish and five loaves become 12 baskets of leftovers. One little yes and one big, watch this. We were that child. We are that child, and we can be that child again. But how? I mean, we're adults now, most of us. Um, we want steps. Can you bring back the map, Becca? The map was real nice and comforting. I liked the map. Well, if you want steps, first, Learn to hear and recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. And second, say yes to the Holy Spirit. It's that easy, right? It's, yeah, why didn't I think of that, Becca? Thanks. Real helpful. So we listen. Listen because God is speaking. John 10, 27 continues the theme of Jesus being a good shepherd and us being the sheep. And Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So listen, because God is speaking to you. 
He wants you to hear his voice because he wants to have a relationship with you. The whole reason he sent Jesus is because he wants to have a relationship with you. Because God wants to have a personal relationship with you, he speaks to you because he knows that his plans for our lives are the best possible plans for our lives and the way it should go. He speaks to us for the benefit of just getting to be with us as his children. And then he speaks to you and through you for the benefit of others in the world around you. Now, I say that God is speaking to us, but I'll also admit that a lot of us don't recognize what the Holy Spirit sounds like or feels like. My friend Steve Lampson was here in first service, and he told me I could tell this story. He has been serving in youth ministry longer than anyone else who's currently on the team, including myself. I was doing a Holy Spirit exercise with the youth, and it's designed to help them hear the voice of God for others. It starts with a piece of paper, and you put your name on top, and then you cover up your name. And then you hand that piece of paper to someone else, and they hand it to someone else, and they hand it to someone else. And so at the end, you don't know whose piece of paper you have. And then you sit and you ask, God, what do you want to tell this person today? And you wait and you listen, and you write down what you hear God might say. And Steve told me at the end that he's never heard the Holy Spirit before, but he was trying, and he was vulnerable, and he didn't write much on his piece of paper. And the end of the night comes, and I finally opened the piece of paper with my name on it, and there are three tiny words in the middle of the piece of paper. Rest, peace, sleep and they're in Steve's handwriting. Did I tell you at this moment, I had my second child three months prior and I wasn't sleeping at night? Did I tell you that I'd only been a youth pastor for six months and I had no idea what I was doing? But God knew what he was doing and he was able to give the words I needed to hear to Steve, through Steve, to me because Steve was vulnerable and he said yes to trying to hear to God. So long story short, a lot of people don't recognize when they're hearing God's voice. And to get better at hearing and recognizing God's voice, there are things you can do that are practical steps to put yourself in the path of the Holy Spirit. One of the first things you can do is attend a retreat. There are two more weeks to sign up for the women's retreat on the 16th through 18th of September. The men's retreat is October 14th through the 16th. And there's a youth retreat called Limitless. And I take the 6th through 12th graders to Duluth over MEA October 20th through 22nd. Retreats are powerful because you're carving out time and dedicating time from your busy schedule to spend with God and his community. Some of my best friendships have grown and started and flourished through the women's retreat in my early 20s. I was never really a person who experienced God giving specific words to in prayer for the benefit of other people until I started praying for adults and teens 
at these retreats. There was one time at Limitless where I was up front ready to pray for some high schoolers and middle schoolers. And this one high school boy came up and he wanted prayer for having a hard day. So I do the five-step prayer model like a boss. Can I pray for you right now? Can I put my hand on your shoulder? Holy Spirit, come. And then I listen and right away I get the word family. I'm like, that wasn't what he wanted prayer for. So I check in with him, and I'm like, okay, well, I just got the word family from God. Do you feel like that makes sense to you? And he starts to cry because the reason why he was having a hard time was about his family. So I keep praying, and I keep checking in, and God gives me four more direct words that I could not have known by myself. And I keep checking in with this guy, and every time he's like, yeah, that makes sense because of this. Yeah, that makes sense because of that. Yeah, that makes sense because of the other. And each time we're able to pray more because God wanted to free him from things in his life. And we get to the sixth try, and I got a feeling that I'm supposed to pray for this specific thing, but it's real sensitive, so I have to be really careful. So I'm like, hey, This might be the Holy Spirit again, but it might also be me. So please, you don't have to pretend it's true if it's not. But do you feel responsible for the divorce of your parents? He sobs. His parents had divorced 10 years prior, and he had been holding on to that the entire time. God saw that. God saw the freedom he wanted for this boy. And God saw someone willing to check in and say yes, to put themselves in the path of the Holy Spirit to hear for others. God is speaking to us because he wants to bring his kingdom into our lives and into the lives of others. And retreats are powerful because our lives are so busy. We've carved out that week or that weekend, and God wants to do it with something with it so he can say, watch what I can do. When you put yourself in the path of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing, you have a much better chance of experiencing the Holy Spirit for yourself and others around you in more noticeable ways. That's doing the stuff. Another thing you can do that's practical, attend Holy Spirit nights. I mean, it's a night that's named after the Holy Spirit. It's one night a month that's dedicated to worship and being present with the Holy Spirit. And it's an incredibly great place to practice seeing and feeling what the Holy Spirit looks like when he moves in individuals and groups. And then you get to go to Applebee's after with your friends. And the last big recommendation I have for you is to serve in ministries that are centered around what the Holy Spirit is doing. Make it a spiritual practice to come, serve, or eat with loaves and fishes. It's a brilliant outreach that happens right here at tables in our sanctuary. And people who are hungry and lonely in our community come to our church to eat delicious food. And if you make it a regular practice to do that, then you pray beforehand and say, God, bring the hungry and bring the lonely and help them to find me and help me to find them. Because then they come in and they see your smiling face and they know that they are welcome. They are loved, 
and they belong here. Another thing, you can get involved in prayer ministry right here on Sunday mornings. You can put yourself in the path of the Holy Spirit in a way where you need to practice listening to the Holy Spirit on behalf of others. You can do this daily and weekly, and you can get trained how to do it. And last, you can serve in Vineyard Kids. You knew it was coming. You didn't know how I was going to get there, but you knew it was coming, and it took me 22 minutes, but we got there. We did it. Good job, everybody. Thank you for applause. Sometimes, with how busy and important we as adults get, it really helps to remember what an actual child's faith looks like. And we're also going to talk about the 4 to 14 window movement. 4 to 14 window references the window where 63% of today's Christians met and were introduced to Jesus. If you are in the room or online at home, you can do this too, and you met Jesus between the ages of 4 to 14, please raise your hand. This next quote I copied straight from the 4 to 14 window movement website. <laughs> Becky Olmsted, who is the leader of Vineyard National Kids, turned the Vineyard children's ministry leaders on to this so we could have it. And it says that not only is the 4 to 14 window a time where young children are more likely to embrace Christianity... It is also the time frame during which they will form their first impressions and emotional connections to the church that can potentially last throughout their entire life and shape the way they think about the church. This is important to remember as well because sometimes a child might not accept Christ between the ages of 4 and 14, and they might walk away from the church entirely for a while. But one of the factors that is key when it comes to determining whether or not they will one day return is the quality of the first impressions from when they were younger. God knows how he created kids. God knows about the 4 to 14 age window. And if you want to talk about putting yourself in the path of the Holy Spirit, you'd better believe that the Holy Spirit shows up for Vineyard Kids. In Vineyard Kids and through Vineyard Kids. I'm not going to toss you into a room with 10 hungry 8-year-olds with just a pack of crayons. I will train you. We will give you lessons that you can hold in your hand while you teach with other co-teachers who feel like they know what they're doing even when you don't. And if you really want to, you can be my co-teacher for a couple times until you feel confident enough to be with someone else too. The only thing the Holy Spirit and Becca Bunger cannot do for you is say yes. That gets to be your offering. And so many people miss it. 
The disciples missed it. They had a pattern of missing it. Of all 12 disciples, only Andrew is the one who notices that young kid. And of the four gospels where this exact story is written, there it is up there, only one of the gospels, John, includes the kid at all. They missed it. In Matthew, where this story is, just six chapters later, in Matthew 19, 14, when Jesus says, let the little children come to me, do not hinder him, do not hinder them, he says that because in verse 13, the parents brought kids to Jesus and the disciples stopped the parents and scolded them, saying, don't interrupt our important Jesus adult business. And Jesus has to say, no, don't do that. Bring them to me. Bring me those kids. They got a divine no straight from the mouth of Jesus about this because they missed it. Jesus didn't miss it. He knew about the 4 to 14 window. The Holy Spirit knows about the 4 to 14 window. And now we know about the 4 to 14 window. And I don't want to miss it. Because God wants every child and every one of us to experience and joyfully accept the love that God has for us. And in ministry, we get to help others have that same experience. I want to do this stuff. I want to heal the sick. I want to raise the dead. I want to restore the sight to the blind, and I want to bring kids and teens to our Jesus. And if you want to do this stuff, a great place to start is to put yourself in the path of what the Holy Spirit is doing where he shows up in more noticeable ways. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Normally towards the end of a sermon, we have tips. But in kids' church, we have bottom lines, and in youth group, we have takeaways, so we're doing those instead. The bottom line is that God is speaking and we can learn to hear his voice. Your takeaways are we are that child, we were that child, and we can be that child again. And bring children and teens to Jesus. The steps to doing that include putting yourself in the path of the Holy Spirit with retreats and outreaches and ministry. And taking your doubts and your fears and insecurity to Jesus so that you can say yes. Give what you have to offer by taking your doubts, fears, and insecurities to Jesus. And say yes when you hear the Holy Spirit call. We're going to get ready for some ministry now. Uh, prayer team, would you please come up to the front? Because we're going to have the opportunity to respond to God through worship and prayer. Giving your doubts and fears and insecurities to God is very vulnerable work. And as I was preparing the sermon, there were just a couple specific things that I really felt like God wanted to speak into today. There was fear about time. 
about like you're being torn in so many ways and you feel so incredibly busy. Well, God's best plan for your life includes God knowing the best way for you to spend your time. So bring that fear to God today and get some prayer. If you have doubts about your ability to serve well, like you're not qualified, or you feel like you've been disqualified by life and choices, or like you're not good enough, God wants to speak truth and healing into you today. For scarcity, if you feel like you don't have anything you want, or if you want to give and you don't feel like you have anything to give, Maybe you feel shame or bad because you feel like you can't let go because everything is just slipping through your fingers. God wants to speak to you today. If you have fear about people seeing you come up for prayer like I did, folks, I want to tell you I did not walk up for prayer between 2008 and 2014. There was even one Sunday where I was crying in the back of the other sanctuary and Gay had to come up and pray for me in my chair because I'm like, I am not going up because then people will know I need prayer. So if you are like me and you experience fear about walking up to go get prayer, today is your day where you can take that to God. And if you want prayer for anything else, anything physical, emotional, encouragement for signing up for volunteering for Vineyard Kids, if you need prayer for anything, come get prayer and bring those things to God. The worship team will dismiss you when the service is over, and I will be out front in the lobby if anyone would like to come say hi. Thank you. I'd like to invite you to... Yeah. Thank you, Becca. So I'd like to invite you guys to stand up and, and join us as you're able as we sing these last songs together. Um, we're going to go and revisit the song that we started with today uh, called Spirit Burn. And... I guess what I'd like to say as we, as we do that, it's a fun song to do together, or at least it's fun for us to play. Hopefully it's fun for you as well. Um, it is, it's fun to play, but the challenge is, is that it's often something that's easily uh, dismissed or thought of as we're asking this abstractly, God, come, bless your church, Holy Spirit, move. That's, somebody should do that, right? Some, somebody in the community, that'd be good. That'd be good for the church to do that. But the challenge with this goes along with today's aspect of Acknowledging that this is our opportunity, God's asking for our yes, like Becca was talking about. And so I just want to encourage you as we revisit this song, think about it as an opportunity to hear what is God saying for you today and what is he asking for your yes in. And it doesn't need to be something big. It's just start with where you're at and listen for what he's got for you this morning.